1: Let's go.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Binge Town TV. We're back with a pitch town. It's been so long, especially since I've been. I think the last one we did was either Raised by Wolves or Last Kingdom, which went the distance. So it's True me. No, nah, True Blood was a year ago. Last, last King- Kingdom
1: was way long, way earlier than True Blood.
2: Anyway, this is a pitch town. In the middle town. of this intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got Luke and Jimmy, and we've got a special guest matt kelly king of geekscape our network and of course he has one million podcasts i'll let him intro all of those but more most importantly you know him from horror movie night you know i'm from uh one hit thunder you know him from the best pod of all time my favorite episode of, which Shugirl was a co-host of um but i'm gonna throw it to him so his pitch town and for anyone who doesn't know what our pitch town is so we invite a friend or one of the binge town members brings a pilot of a show that other people haven't seen and a show they really love and they pitch it to us and at the end of the episode we have to decide whether or not we're going to binge immediately add it to the list or shark tank and for that reason i'm out kick them to the curb so matt i'm gonna give you the opportunity to do your intro that you came up with for the prisoner from nineteen sixty-seven.
3: Well, first and foremost, I want to say that no uh no dissing to the other binge town folks, but I am so glad that I'm doing this with the people who I consider the true uh heart and soul of binge town, which is of <laughs> course Jim, <laughs> Kathleen, and Luke. So the year was nineteen sixty-seven. In January, the Rolling Stones were told they were not allowed to perform on television unless they changed the list lyrics from let's spend the night together to let's spend some time together cbs renewed gun smoke for its 12th season making it the longest running show of the time and the finale of the crime drama the fugitive became the most watched television episode of the entire decade tv was mostly stale and formulaic sitcoms talk shows and occasionally a quite tame crime drama a small show called star trek debuted a year earlier which had an optimistic look at the future But you had to look to anthology shows like Alfred Hitchcock presents Twilight Zone or The Outer Limits to even dare to dabble into the dark waters of political satire, horror, or gasp, abstract camera shots. (laughs) It was at this time that The Prisoner debuted. A frustrated actor named Patrick McGougall had wrapped the final season of his spy drama Secret Agent, and he was sick of the way that TV tended to speak down to its audience and took no chances. In his frustration, he created the concept for a 17-episode show called The Prisoner. And in 1967 in the UK and a year later in the United States, we were all allowed to experience its debut episode, The Arrival.
2: And Amazing. here we are. And Matt, and Matt, how old were you when this came out?
3: Uh, I was <laughs> negative 30. <30? laughs> <laughs> so, so the way that I discovered this show, I'm not sure if any of you remember this because I'm definitely the, the most senior person on this show. A uh, podcast today, but ABC and Fox and NBC in the 90s would run these really wild TV specials. And one of them that I still have the VHS tape for was called "Science Fiction Through History," and it was produced by the Museum of Television and Art. And it was about the entire history of science fiction from the uh, beginning of television all the way up until the 90s. And it was broken into like shows about time travel, shows about like nightmare worlds, you know, all shows about exploration, but the only show that could not be fit into a single box and was given its own segment was this 10 minute breakdown of why the prisoner changed television forever. And that sat with me forever. And when Netflix first became a thing, um, one of the first discs I ever ordered to be delivered in the mail was the complete series of the prisoner. Cause I had been like, Uh, so curious about this show for like 20 years. And I finally was able to watch it. And I'm not going to sit here and say it is a flawless 17 episodes. It could be a 12 episode season and be just fine. (laughs) But when you look at it through the lens of everything that was existing before it, it is undeniable. As uh, the Guardian once wrote, it is the Citizen Kane of television and the program that changed the entire landscape of genre TV. Like, when you look at it that framework, it's like, this is wild that this was airing on TV in 1967, because you can absolutely, I think even in this episode, you can see where, like, fans of the show, like the creators of X-Files and Lost, like, absolutely were pulling something from this, like, this, (laughs) like...
0: So I want to say a couple things because I've never heard of the prisoners. This was the first yeah. time I've ever heard of it. And I knew this was, as Kathleen said, a classic Matt Kelly recommendation here. <laughs> um, so something about me, I am shamelessly a victim of the times when it comes to entertainment in form of media and TV. Like, I am a sucker for production value, and that's a very lame yeah. thing to be to be, a, to be yeah. when you're on a TV podcast. But I'm open-minded, you know, and it takes something like a pitch down for me to sit down and actually watch something like this. So I just want you to know that going into it, it was an uphill battle for me, but <laughs> I was pretty pleasantly surprised with like some of the production value of what we were getting for 1967. I have like a skewed vision in my head of what I would, what I was going into uh, watching this episode, thinking what I was going to see, like the coloring, the set designs, all of that was like way better than I thought it was going to be for 1967. I do have a bunch of questions and there are some, I'm sure we're <laughs> going to be going through a bunch of these things here, for Sure, but I definitely like the shutter Island slash black mirror vibes we're getting here. And it, you're, you're right. It's kind of like setting the foundations for shows like those, um so I'm happy. Like again, I probably never would have sat down to watch this without something like a pitch down. And I love pitch down so much because it just allows us to have people who are passionate about these shows that we don't get to see to really just shove it in our face, be like, "Yo, watch this shit." Let's find out do we like it, and let's talk about it. So I'm ready, ready to talk about this because, like you're saying, like 17 episodes, one season, right? Like it's self-contained yeah. and finished. And I think it said 8.5 on IMDb. At least that's what Amazon had for on Rotten um, Tomatoes, 100. Yeah, for <laughs> critic or audience. Let me do a little check. If you compared and, it to Citizen Kane, I'm assuming critics.
2: Yeah. And Patrick McGoohan?
3: Yeah, I never figured out that last name. I and probably should have done
2: that. Wrote it, directed it. <laughs> starred yeah, he, in it. he
3: directed most of the big episodes. He created it. He actually, uh, I was reading an interview where he was saying that he regretted starring in it. Because it created this fan theory that the character that he's playing in this show is a continuation of his character from the show that he had quit. But, like, yeah. it was more that he was just, like, venting. Like, he was sick of doing a spy show, but he wanted to, like, like, that was already ingrained in him. So he's like, all right, well, what if a guy who is a spy quit? Like, no one, no, no high up government agency is going to let someone with all of that information just walk away clean. And like created this nightmare political satire view of like the lens that a a government would go to protect their like darkest fucked up secrets. I have the Rotten Tomatoes. It's one hundred percent critics, eighty eight percent audience. Okay, nice. Yeah, so good. So it's a good work. Are either one? Is I think I know Kathleen's a no on this. Are there any Simpsons fans on the call right now?
0: I've seen enough. enough
3: yeah like I okay I, what do you mean by yeah there's there's a full simpsons episode that's just a parody of the prisoner where homer creates a website and it's like him doing all these fake conspiracy theories and he accidentally states one conspiracy theory that's true and he gets brought to an island and they brought back the actor mm. from this show to voice his roommate so homer was number five in the in the village he was funny. living with number six and it even does a bit where Homer tries to run away and the giant rover ball like suffocates him. <laughs> like, That's it's funny. Like, well, let's it's like,
0: talk about that freaking rover wait, ball wait, for a wait. second. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really Jesus, quick. Man. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let me just jump in really quick and say that I think it's perfect. We're doing a pitch town, but we want to make sure the audience knows that this scenario here, we understand that you probably have not seen no. the show. So we are going to talk about it in a lens where Matt's going to be pitching it to you guys as well, even though we've already seen it. But us talking about it is going to give you an idea of if you're going to want to watch this pilot episode and continue on. Yes. So you don't exactly. have to necessarily have seen it to, to enjoy this episode. Hear what we have to say about it. Decide if you want to start the show. Matt's job is to talk you into it, just like he talked us into to watching it. And he's got to talk us into continuing if we're, if we're news. We'll, <laughs> we'll see. see.
3: We'll see. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, let's go back to the rover ball. Luke, <laughs> first of all, I, I don't know if you're about to say this, but I mean, obviously ridiculous. You know, it's just really <laughs> bad with the 60s and it's just a balloon, but whatever. But it's it's an obvious smoke monster from the from Lost, the the homage that J.J. Abrams did to me. I thought, you know, Matt, you told me yourself. I did some research. J.J. J. J. Abrams loved the show. It was huge in his um, how he wrote Lost and all of his other sci-fi TV shows
3: Yeah, I have a direct quote from him, actually. I pulled up a quote. He said, I love that show. The way that it was oddly cryptic and a combination of science fiction, mystery and character is something that I pulled for Lost and Alias. And then the logo of the prisoner, which is like that weird giant wheeled bicycle, um, that bicycle logo he even uses throughout the show Fringe. Whenever someone's brain is being reprogrammed, that image flashes on the screen for a second. Um, so it's like he just like loves, loves, loves this show and tries to homage it where he can.
0: So that was actually going to be one of my first questions, because right there you kind of answered it, I think. Does it lean more heavily into sci-fi and like the idea of it just like being like futuristic in that sense? Because you, I have no I don't even know if I'm asking the right questions because yeah. it's a 1967 show, you know, like I don't know if I'm like. Going too far to or not, but like basically, what I want to know is how how much does it lean into like technology for the time and stuff like that, where it's going to be all confusing with like like the answers for the show yeah. can be like next level,
3: you know, like lost type of things. It's more, I would say that it's more of almost like watching it's it's like a sixties mystery on like a torture style almost. So they did it in this episode, but it's a trend throughout every single episode, a different actor plays number two, like constantly. Mm. They're constantly rotating out who plays number two as like a means of fucking with six. Like he's, he never knows what's happening around him. And, um, that whole idea of like the numbering, I think this episode, uh, in like a really good way shows like, The level of what they'll do to a person which you know to jump to the end of this episode a little bit for spoilers but they make him think that his friend committed suicide and then we the audience find out that his friend is perfectly fine and that this was just another job he was doing for the government like shamelessly Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? like it's like and it's every episode is like elements of that where it's like anything that you think might be real isn't and it's almost like a I don't think that it's an accident that chess plays such a heavily visual element throughout this episode because it is like a 17 episode game of chess between number six and the entire village. And that's why I love one of my favorite scenes is when you think that he's escaped in the helicopter and the woman who gave him the information sits down to play chess with the old man and he just looks at her and says, we're all pawns, you know, and then immediately she realizes that she was just used as a pawn in their game right. to, like, mess with this dude more. <laughs>
2: like, I, I will say, did we get a name or number? Not a name, obviously. A number for the girl? For I the woman. think
3: when I was reading the wiki, it said numbers nine for her. She's not but Right. We're not told in this episode. Yeah.
2: I When she came into the episode is when I really started getting interested, right? Because you have the bad guys and you have him. But you need someone else to kind of be on his side or something like Cobb seemed like he was sick and dying in the first place. So you think maybe he's on her on his side, on number six's side. But when the when the number nine or the woman comes in with that cool outfit, I was like, OK, I could get into this possible <laughs> love interest. Maybe uh, so, someone on you're side. always
3: trying to ship people,
2: I, you know, you, I,
3: you do not. You should probably not try to ship anybody in the village, uh, although I did write down
2: seven. They do. I
3: did write down like I wouldn't hate living in the village. It seems like a pretty dope place. Ultimately, yeah, it's, all, it's fun, dude. <laughs>
2: it's it's yep. always interesting to me to see in nineteen sixty seven when they were making this what they kind of thought would be this like futuristic utopia for people like the cool phones and and the yeah. and the statue heads with the cameras in it and things like that. Like what they thought would be cool back then not knowing like what we would have now but in general just like a dystopia disguised as a utopia is just cool yeah. in general.
3: I I like that there's those elements even in this first episode that you get where it's like you know like the that scene where um he's giving him the tour of the village but like he's like actively calling out like what so you've just brainwashed all of these people into living the way that you want them to live. And like when he goes to walk away. Number two yells stop. And every single person in the village freezes at once. Like, right. like they are so under the thumb of this. This organization or like him being in the room. And the music not shutting off. And like within the second that he destroys the music box. You hear the the loudspeaker be like. We need someone to go to number six's room to fix his electronics. Like, like they are just watching every single movement that you make when you're inside the village. And I get the vibe from just reading about this guy who created the show that he, this is what he, I think truly believes is out there that that there is these fucked up mind games that are being played on people constantly and that they're being manipulated constantly. And uh, one of the, one of the quotes that uh, kind of has endured beyond the show is early on when he's being interviewed by number two, he says, I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own. And that quote comes up constantly in episodes, almost as if because they record everything. So they'll just keep playing it over and mm. over for him. And it almost reminds me of like, those moments in severance where they have to like, just keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again in the punishment room. It's almost like they utilize his exact words to mock and belittle him throughout the rest of the show. (laughs) Like it is, it is a heavy, it, it dives into some like heavy, dark stuff, which again, like, I think the framework that I always thought about was when you watch something like the twilight zone before this, like the twilight zone was a, quick 22 minutes you had your start your middle and then your end and there might be a little bit of mystery there but like it it told its story and then you were like off to the races this was really the first time that someone was making a show where you had to spend weeks thinking about what you watched waiting for the next episode to bring you even like a little bit of closure to something and like never knowing if you were going to get the closure that you were looking for as a viewer so it, it's I mean, I guess that's kind of lost too, in a little bit. It was, in a way, like the British water cooler show. Exactly. Old-school
0: 1960s water cooler. I couldn't even imagine. Would this be, like, our favorite show? Maybe. Yeah,
2: pro- <laughs> <laughs> probably. Is.
0: Probably.
2: Our probably. dad would have been 17 when this came out, so I immediately, like, was watching it tonight, and I'm like, look at this. Have you seen this before? And he was <laughs> like, he? I know this guy, but I've never seen this. Like, he's seen <laughs> him in other things, but, but did not recognize the show. But I wanted to say... Um, in the Wikipedia page, it says, the finale of The Prisoner left open-ended questions generating controversy and letters of outrage. Following the final episode, McGowan claimed he had to go into hiding for a while. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, the wow. final episode is what the final episode is one of the trippiest fucking things I've ever watched. Like I was just like, this is crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> like,
2: but I will say that in 1967, they weren't used to shows like that. I feel like we are yeah. more used to shows oh, that yeah. maybe don't answer every single question. Back in the 60s, they and they don't didn't really have like the internet or anything to like read up or supplemental content. They're probably just like, Well, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So it makes it, sense. Is
3: there any is there any polar bears in this show? There's no polar bears in this as far no. as I can recall. Um the only other line that I wrote <laughs> down but I but I do think that it's it's almost the most meta line of the show is when we first see that rover ball show up and he looks at number 2 and says what was that and number 2 just says well that would be telling you something. Mm. And it's like and I feel like that was almost in a weird way him writing into the script a direct line to the audience of like we're not we're not here to tell you anything like you are you're the ones that are going to have to watch this and do your homework to keep tabs on information that you're provided and you put it together yourself. Like even this particular episode, when you think about when you think about television from like way back then, everything is spelled out for you. Right. Like even I always think of like Psycho, you watch Psycho and it ends with this like 15 minute monologue of a doctor explaining to you Norman Bates's mental condition and explaining to you every element of every murder and it's ex- like they literally had to explain to the audience every piece of what they saw and in this one the last like five minutes plays out with almost no dialogue it's like you the audience have to figure out visually what what's happening he is not going to to give you any exposition to piece together what's happening in in certain scenes and I really dig that. <laughs>
0: So that's something I wanted to ask right off the bat, because this is it kind of perked my ears when you said that he kind of got um, not typecasted, but people thought that this character was was a crossover of other projects that he worked on. Right. Yeah. So is there any context that you that we're supposed to have going into the show outside of that, like Austin Powers, like intro well, where I, you
3: kind of just going around well, like London see, whatever? That's another one that I like. That's another thing I like though. Instead of showing you anything that happens in dialogue in that, that opening scene in like two minutes gives you the only backstory that they're ever going right. to provide you on what led okay. to him going to this island. And it's done in total silence, except for music. Like I'm like, I kind of dig that, but I, I was, I'm glad that you brought up Austin Powers because I think for like a modern context, it would literally be like, after the last James Bond movie, if Daniel Craig just made a wild fucked up show about an actor who didn't want to play a spy anymore and was like trapped in like a television station where he was forced to play this character. over Like this show is so insanely meta in a way that definitely 1967 was not used to meta television.
0: That's a perfect comparison. honestly. <laughs> like-
3: Yeah,
1: and I have a a couple things to say about the show in general. Luke, you saying that we have no context and backstory, and then Matt, you confirming that we never get it. Yeah. That's kind of a downer for me. (laughs) And the way that I see this show is almost something where, like, you have the original show of him being, you know, the spy, and now we have the backstory, and then season, like, eight is we have this torture season where he this is this this is the actual season where this show takes place in you know this village you know what yeah. i mean i and i listen i i totally get that it's they're telling us something and it's and you know you you have the two minutes and then boom we're right into it but i immediately was like is there like a prequel or something that mm-hmm. i missed something you know so,
3: not to not to spoil the end of the whole series but they did not do, do it. A, <laughs> they did do a remake of this I show. That. I did see that. Yeah. yeah, they did a remake of this show in the, 1999. And while they wouldn't say definitively about anything, um apparently in one of the episodes of the remake, uh when the new number 6 that you're following is trying to escape, he stumbles into a cave where there is an old man hiding who's dressed exactly like number 6 from the original series. And he says mm. something of the law lo- along the lines of just make the make sure that they know that I did finally escape. Like it's like, like mm. which implies that like this is essentially this is going to be this man's existence is that until the day right. he dies, he will be trying to escape this hell that the government created for him to keep their secrets uh, safe from from the mm. wrong hands. And I'm sure and I can see
1: like the groundbreakingness of this show, especially in the 60s. Like, for example, I mean, the reveal at the end in the 60s, people were probably like, Jesus Christ, like with the whole, you know, Um, he's not dead thing. I mean, who knows? I don't know anything about past TV shows, but that's probably one of the first times someone was hit. Someone in the audience was hit with that. But I think this show is really interesting because it could have went a million ways, I feel like. Like, obviously, it still can because it's only episode one, but the way that I first took it and I had a preconceived notion only that what we talked about, Matt, where you said, you know, inspiration for J.J. Abrams, obviously, we're big fans of Lost and, you know, other things like that. So I'm I'm putting some things in my head before it starts. And I was actually a little disappointed that we meet number two so early. I wanted them to mess with me on screen where number six is like looking around and and. It's all, you know, whether it's a sci-fi show or it's like, uh, you know, it's, a, you know, they're torturing him and it's, you know, that's just a version of their torture or it's a fantasy show where they're in this village. Like, you know, when when the show's starting and we don't see number two yet, you know, he he turns around and boom, there's the taxi. It seems like yeah. certain things are very like also fantasy sci-fi where I was like, OK, is there like lost style where there's something special about this village where he's just in it and we need to figure it out. And then we don't need, you know, the reveal yet that someone's messing with him. Obviously we know we're going to get that. And maybe that could have been like the end of the pilot that, yeah. you know, give us the episode of us looking around this village and being like, what the hell is going on?
3: I, I think that that's could've... why this is the only episode where number two changes mid episode. And I think that that was intentional because I think mm-hmm. they want it to establish right out the gate that like, Whoever number two is, it doesn't fucking matter because number one is the person that's in charge. (laughs) And like you have to work your way up to number one. Number two is going to be a rotating door that's constantly replaceable. But number one is the person who's in in charge of everything.
0: I I think kind of like what you're getting at, Jimmy, too, is like part of the problem is like viewing it from the lens of today and stuff. And like looking back, like how do you fill out 17 episodes of the show with what felt like we already got like large part of the setup so i guess the question to matt becomes without giving away too much like is this the type of show that's going to kind of be like a chase like a like a not i don't want to say repetitive cyclical kind of show where we're going to be like he makes some progress then he then he pulls back because the government or they get another step ahead of him like how is how does this play out for 17 episodes i'm assuming each is an hour long like what kind of other things can we look for that I guess are, is there to like more entice us to, to binge the rest of the season. Like it, basically
1: so, is it, is a groundhog's day for 17 episodes almost where, you know, he we spend yes the episode no, trying actually. to actually, f- yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and that, so I mean, I'll, that, that can yeah. be fine. Every, it just depends on how they write it.
3: Almost every episode is a cat and mouse of, of watching number two and number six, try to outwit each other. Um, I will say that one of my f- favorite things about this show is how every single episode ends with just a zoom in on his face in the cell block slamming in front of him and that's like his visual style of essentially saying like he's still not out yet Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's almost like you you get so accustomed to that loud jail cell slam that you're there's like a part of you when you like binge this show because I binged it pretty much every time I've watched it like I just knock it out over like a week um you're, you're just like, I just want to stop hearing that jail cell slam. Like, okay. But I would say the the moment that gives you the best idea of what this show is. Is a really tiny, inconsequential thing. But it's when he's in the hospital after he's had like the the rover ball get him and he's walking around and there's just a guy standing in complete darkness making gibberish noises and you have no yeah, clue yeah. what's going on. And there is a lot of that happening in this show where it's almost like the best way I can explain is if you've ever studied or watched any magician talk about how to do magic. And it's all about the fake out distraction over here is they do a phenomenal job of just throwing these really weird couple seconds of something where like. You're kind of like, what is what is happening over there? And then it quickly I think of like in The Shining where they pass by the room with the guy dressed like a bear. You know, what I mean, like it's just those yeah. like those weird moments that just get burned into your brain. And you're like, what? But what was the story with the guy making the noises in the hospital? So
0: similar to like Severance when you see the goats like in yeah, that random like, rooms are similar to that. OK, yeah, like it's it's
3: a so, lot of and I think that that's where. You look at like. I think we're all in agreement here that the lost finale was great. Right. Like, I feel like the, a lot of people hate it. Yeah. But right. like, I, okay. I'm in, good, I'm in safe company. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a yeah, brilliant ending. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's because you, you have to have it attuned to your brain that certain, certain questions will never be answered. And like, right. And that it's, it's okay. Like, we don't get all the answers in our entire existence on life. There will always be things where you're like, "Why did that person stop talking to me? Why did like this? Why did this like person who was the most important person in my life in eighth grade like just disappear and I haven't thought about them in thirty years?" Like, there are always mysteries in our life, which means that weird television can get away with throwing some mysteries that you just don't get answers for. As long as the overarching story is concluded, then you're satisfied. And I right. think that J.J. and the Severance people and all of them pull from the prisoner kind of laying this groundwork of like, you don't have to answer every question. You just have to answer the big questions. And yeah. it's fine for there to still be a mystery of like what was going on in that room. Who was that person? So,
1: Matt, let me ask you a question here. Obviously, we're not born and we haven't lived anywhere close to 60s. So I don't know. Yeah. Technologically, what it really was like, just like Luke said, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, seeing, you know, the the bright colors and the set pieces and stuff. Now, obviously, the room with number two, you know, is is supposed to be highly technol- Star Trek technological shit, yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> yeah. them. And also, you know, being able to, like, watch with cameras, like the, the secret cameras and that stuff. But when it comes to, like, the village, the actual yeah. village. The Rover Ball is sci fi fantasy. Okay. Yes. That we can we can put that on the side for now. But everything else about the village, it seemingly is kind of normal, except for like the doors open by themselves. Obviously, it's sci fi ish. Yeah. Let's say it's sci-fi-ish more futuristic. Yeah. Right, right. So, so what I'm asking is I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Like, it, it, how blown away should the people of the 60s have been? would they have seen this as like super, super sci-fi or would they have just been like, okay, like this is futuristic and could happen.
3: Like I obviously Riverball aside. I think that it's almost neither. Cause I think the show is way more focused on like the stuff that the people in the sixties, I think needed to be shown and to take away is that this is probably one of the first times the concept that people could just be filming you 24 seven was like ever introduced. To an right. audience. So I think that yeah. that's the heart, the horrific sci fi element of it. Like, I think number two on his tour really says, like, we're this village is equipped to just give you all the accommodations you want to have until the day you die. You're just never going to leave here. <laughs> like, right. And that's like so- kind of the, it- and it's like that, it's that idea of, um, I mean, how many movies and TV shows have we watched where it's essentially like, we're going to give you utopia, but you're also losing every ounce of freedom that you've ever had in your life to live here. And this is kind of an right. early example of that, where I don't think the village is supposed to feel too futuristic as much as it's supposed to feel like utopian in nature, like this like right. perfect society. Right. So the reason I brought
1: that up is my preconceived notion was lost. So I was yeah. saying, okay, is this village like, some kind of secret like it's some kind of fantasy powerful village that there's we need to figure out the secrets of how it can run that way like is him turning around in the taxis right there like something like it's just a shot of how they just wanted to show or you know on camera or is it like magically it pops up or you know things like that obviously i'm getting the rover balls like yeah. the smoke monster but again to me it's it's one or the other where if it, like i wanted to th- I was thinking about, all right, lost here. So I'm thinking about, like, what's the specialty of this island when really it's probably more like Westworld season one where this is a created world futuristically where, you know, they want to break the maze. Just like he wants to break the maze to get out. Yeah,
3: I would say to refocus the way you think about those questions, like, does the how does the taxi magically show up? And I would think of it through this lens number six is far from the first person that they've ever done this to. Oh, yeah. Which means that I think it's more of they have done this so many times that they can absolutely predict everything that that person is going to do during the time that they're breaking. Like, think of uh, season one of The Magicians. Like, this is like the millionth time that they've run this scenario with somebody. They know every possible move that might you're trying, happen you're trying so to butter it's... us up with <laughs> <issues>. <laughs> 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 i know what i'm hey i knew what i was coming to i prepared uh <laughs> but like you know they know hey he's probably gonna need to get around let's just shoot the taxi there like she's even like hey you don't have the money that's fine i'll get you next time like she's just like going about her day because she knows right. that this dude's gonna be here forever she doesn't have to he doesn't know he's gonna be here forever yet but she definitely does mm-hmm Okay, so, so yeah, I mean, I reframed pretty
1: early on in the episode. Basically, yeah. once you meet number two, I reframed to the point where this is a built, you know, whatever you want to call, simulation almost to torture yes. him into telling them what they want, which is cool as shit. Yeah. And you can see how it is the inspiration for a lot of the shows that we love today. And even for me, whether it's as surface level and minuscule as i want to say like with westworld like i just saw that kind of inspiration and obviously westworld was a movie first but just yeah. the just the built futuristic aspect of it and you know there's 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 questions and i don't know if you yeah. can answer like are the people in there when he says stop and they stop it does he actually have control do they just listen because mm-hmm. they're supposed to be pawns you know i it it's a directorial choice and a writing choice to just show us like, Hey, symbolically, if I say stop, everyone stops. Yeah. Does or this does episode... he have control and they will stop.
3: Does this episode, I feel like it does, but I get a lot of the early episodes bleed together. Does this episode show the human chess board at a certain point? No. Okay. I don't
0: remember. Yeah. There, there, I mean,
3: it's, it, I, I know that there is an episode about them literally playing human chess at a certain point, but like that, Furthering the like they're all puns in a game of chess. Like there are scenes where they'll just be cutting across the village and people are playing a giant game of human chess in I the middle of, of the village. Watering me up, man. That's <laughs> right yeah. in here bro. But it <laughs> is right in the middle of it. Yeah. I so I want to talk about the rover ball one more time because this is something that I I want to compliment for this. Like, yes. Do we essentially just have like this giant weird rubber ball that floats out of nowhere? Damn it, if like the look of someone's <laughs> face smashing up against that plastic ball isn't weirdly effective, on like, oh, that looks terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like,
2: like... I will say, I, I feel like in the beginning, maybe you guys were making fun of the river ball. I was actually impressed by it. Um, and and that specifically, Matt, I think the only corny part about it is like when he's trying to, like, fight it off, like, in yeah. the car chase scene, yeah. when he, it finally gets him and it just kind of, like, beats him up a little bit. It doesn't yeah. fully kill him. It's just him being, like, ha, ha, around <laughs> it, which is funny. But the rest is pretty good. I'm like, how did they shoot that? It's, yeah. it's pretty damn good. And I like the mystery about that because that's not something I've really ever seen. I know Jimmy's comparing it to Lost, but... I, in general, like it's just this fucking ball that's in the town and it's following you around. That's fucking yeah. scary. And just cool. to make sure that
3: you don't even attack, like it attacks the one guy because he was thinking about escaping. He hadn't even made an attempt yet. Like that's like something to think about is like that first time that you see the ball, he says, the number two says he was considering trying to escape. Like that's how much they get to know you the more they break you down inside the village (laughs) so i
0: wasn't making fun i mean i was making fun of the ball but i also (laughs) think it was like super i agree i think it was like one of the more interesting pieces of the entire episode yeah where i'm like kind of looking forward to seeing it and my question i guess to jimmy and kathleen here is were you guys thinking that is straight a piece of controlled technology or does this thing have a little bit of personality like yeah is it like is it like (laughs) fuck this you know like because it felt like At one point, our main character is like tiptoeing around, like side eyeing it. But like, I couldn't (laughs) tell if it's. But he's got
3: the watch on, so he's. That's true. Yeah. So, what do you think? Is the watch is what was protecting him, right, Matt? Yeah, the watch. According to the woman, who we can decide if we trust or not, I'm going to say that I trust her. She says that that watch is the only thing that can stop the rover ball.
2: Listen. Here's my thing. (laughs) It's funny to me that you know this guy in the village was thinking about considering leaving and he gets fucking got right then and there yes. <laughs> why is it important balloon, to man. keep number six alive versus just killing him if he ha- knows so no, you, much- you need his answers no no they don't yeah, they dude. don't want they don't want his answers to
1: disappear they want his answers they want to
2: know knowledge. why he quit you're saying
3: no, no so, oh, they want to know what he knows yeah think about it from this you're just assuming that it's the same government agency that he quit that has him at the village i really was (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. okay understood see that's why you asked the questions
1: yeah i mean my assumption was it was like the enemy the the government that's whatever against his current government so you Mm. took it as the same i
0: took it as the opposite luke um i took it as that it was the same yeah okay yeah but I like that um, it being the opposite. More. Yeah, me too. That's fun. Me yeah. too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The rover ball is probably one of the coolest things. And Luke, to your question. That's where I'm, again, getting at the whether it's just straight up futuristic sci-fi or if we're talking like sci-fi fantasy, unless mm-hmm. you want to say they're getting into like AI where they like created a being that's. Technological, but also has some kind of mind of its own. But if we're getting into sci-fi fantasy, like Lost with the smoke monster or something, then you're saying, you know, is it like some kind of being? I'm taking it like I don't want to <laughs> say it's like one of those freaking little vacuum things that just like runs around and like on the what are those things <laughs> on the floor? Um, because it does know it has to know somehow. Yeah, that you are like unless they use that as symbolism and just pick the guy. And said he was thinking about it, or he they already knew, they already had the information that he was thinking about it, and then they pointed it towards him. Mm-hmm. The ball has to somehow know you're thinking what you're thinking and what you're about to do, and it has to be able to come after you.
0: See, again, I think we're taking it too much like modern day 2023 lens of TV shows like Because anytime I'm watching shows, you're always thinking about what's the trope that they're either subverting or they're going for, whereas you can't do that for a show like this because this, if it is doing a trope, because it it made the trope. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Like the whole they or the government enemy, like that's might be tropey now, but this is kind of it. So that's why I didn't immediately assume that it was either going to be the evil or bad, whatever. Didn't even like cross my mind. I didn't think too deeply about it. I I haven't thought. Too deeply about almost any of this yet because i'm still trying to feel out what kind of show we're getting here and yeah. the more we're talking about it, i'm not gonna lie like i'm it's it's interesting me a lot more like having dialogue about it
3: yeah uh so i will tell you that the rover has its own wikipedia page that's that's in how important that that uh, creation is and it wasn't originally supposed to be that um, When they were originally doing the show, they had actually built like a robotic wheeled device that had like a siren and everything attached to it, but it wouldn't work mm. in front of camera. And then they decided to just pull from the inspiration of a weather balloon and said, well, what if it's just a floating weather balloon? And I feel like the less that it feels man-made, the creepier it ultimately yeah. becomes. <laughs> like- so, so let me ask you this, Matt. Again, we're in the 60s.
1: If they could have, would they have? Like, were they saying, here's this balloon, and we're asking the audience to envision, like, not necessarily a monster, but just like something else? Or did they just put it out there saying, who cares? It looks like a freaking balloon and it'll eat you. It'll kill you. You know what I I mean? Like, are they saying, like, we don't have
3: CGI? We
1: don't have CGI. Yeah, I think it's the second
3: half. This was just, think about it from this lens. This is like a weird lens to think about things sometimes, but like, we're thinking about it. From like 67 to us which is like a huge gap right but like let's put it in context of like something that we've probably all seen this is eight years before jaws gets released so it's like in the same vein as like building this big ass shark prop that doesn't work and you're like well we've just got to film around the fact that the shark prop doesn't work until we get it working like they didn't have time to figure out why the the robot thing that they built didn't work. They were just like, fuck it. I guess we're, I guess we're going with plan B, the giant balloon. Iconic.
2: It's funny that I'm glad we're calling it a rover. I, Cause in my, in my notes, I just said a balloon killed a man. It's just yeah. a note. On its own. I, may have, I may have spoiled
3: for you. They do give it a name in a later episode as the rover, but no
2: worries. <laughs> big, gigantic that- yeah, sorry. Just...
3: That's like the big ending of an episode. Yeah. Is like, it is name is the rover and everyone went <laughs> no like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. i love that they also use music in such a funny way like oh the pop goes the weasel like weird yeah, orchestral that's exactly versions. what it
3: was <laughs> yes yes they use did it in I... such uh, funny
0: ways
2: did i hear the twilight zone um s-
1: no um... it was did it wasn't it was it a vase or something i yeah. thought what i
2: heard it? i thought it was twilight zone with the i think it was like it was in the beginning of the episode, something like drove whizzed by him, maybe like I, I'm i thinking golf cart, but I don't know that there was a golf cart in this episode.
3: I, there's I, definitely I um, there's like a weird surf guitar riff that happens throughout that is close to the Twilight Zone guitar riff. As What's it well.
2: can you do the twilight zone for me matt
3: Twilight Zone is like doo doo do, doo do, doo 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 That's do, what I thought do, I heard do,
2: do, do, do. No I thought I I
3: swear I was hearing
2: da, do, 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 do,
3: <laughs> I heard I mean there's a lot too, of them Jimmy. but Pop Goes yes, the Weasel is you. definitely in there
1: Like oh, no that's Pop Goes the Weasel is probably what I'm hearing and I just correlate it wrong <laughs> Yeah it'd be like the that's I think that's it yep But it's like this weird,
3: it's like a weird slowed down, but like played on like very sincere orchestra music version of it. Mm -hmm. Like they, I, I think that this is also one of those early examples of, again, we'll throw the Twilight Zone, like Twilight Zone, you really, Rod Stewart had his hand in almost every aspect of it, even if he didn't write or direct that episode, like this is really early, in when you're truly seeing a showrunner, like when you're seeing a person who has a specific vision that everyone else has to follow. And I, this is something that sounds really stupid, but I, I never thought about it until recently. And it may have even come from you guys on Binge Town, honestly. But I, I think it was from, um, I think it was actually from the Gilmore guys because they're doing their marvelous Miss Maisel coverage, where they talked about like. When you get hired to be a writer on a show, like you get hired to write Gilmore Girls, my job is not to write like Matt Kelly. My job is to be able to write a script that sounds like Amy Sherman Palladino's voice. (laughs) So it's like, this is like really early in like a guy assembling a writer's crew and being like, this is, however you are as a writer, you have to throw that away because we have to be like one unified front on like what the vision of this show is in all of our writing be it the dialogue like the plot twists like everything has to connect and make sense or it's done <laughs> like we're yeah like we we blow it all if one thing feels out of place here
2: yeah and amy sherman paladino is like such a specific voice too it's like yeah you were gonna write 12 pages of dialogue make it 24 and yeah, fit please. it into 42 minutes <laughs>
3: yeah yeah, you're yeah. being generous. Her uh, scripts for Gilmore Girls is 44 minute runtime. were 115 pages long.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's out of control. Wow. And
3: they weren't allowed to riff out any li- like I think on one of the Gilmore guys episodes, they were interviewing the actor who played Luke and he was talking about how he didn't like the way a phrase felt because he had to say cannot instead of can't. And he was like, can I please say can't? And they had to pause recording for 20 minutes for someone to go and ask Jamie, Sh- Amy if he could change cannot to can't. And her answer was no, he can figure it out. <laughs> like,
2: oh, wow. That's, that's like... so funny because I've been getting fed succession TikToks of the script versus the scene. Yeah. And and succession is known. Jimmy, have you watched any of it yet?
1: Not yet, no. Well,
2: the, the Roy... Siblings kind of talk like this specifically kind of like oh uh, yeah well you just uh you know you just like uh fuck it yeah. you know just like like famously every other word is like uh and like and whatever and it's very real it sounds like a real conversation but all of that's not written in maybe some of them but the script versus it so it's that's very interesting how different shows are run differently yeah. but i will say about Gilmore girls when I l- watch that show, my inner monologue starts talking fast and like whatever. Oh, yeah. And if I think if I were to watch Prisoners, I would start being like, hey, how's it going? What's yeah. going
3: on? Oh, you'll start ending. <laughs> conver- <laughs> you'll end conversations with people with a BC in you. Like, because yeah. that's like a BC reoccurring you. thing <laughs> throughout the show. Our boy number six is he's tense.
1: He's pissed, dude. Every yeah, time he turns around, he breaks his neck. He literally anything anything happens he wants to look out a window he freaking literally turns so fast breaks his neck anytime he opens a door he pulls it so fast he close a lot of the times the door opens by itself but when it just it just cracks me up he's very like jaggedy and, and sharp with his with all of his movements
3: he's like who pull it open and
1: turn break my neck and you know trying to guys, catch someone off guard all, man.
3: He's a very British man. That is for sure. This is a very, a I feel dude. like there's a reason why this had to play in its entirety in the UK before they even considered bringing it to the U S. Cause this is a, this is a really British show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so,
0: so I got a couple more questions to kind of help sway my final answer for when we're ready to sign out. But one of them, and this is obviously all for Matt is um, like, just talk to me about like, is the show does it have peaks and valleys are there sections like is the middle better than the beginning is the end better worse than the, you know like how how do you feel about it as a whole like is it pretty consistent all the way through do you have a favorite episode and is the finale does it like leave a
3: is would you say the finale was satisfying as a whole for the series for you so i think that the 88 uh rotten tomatoes audience score is probably accurate Like I said earlier, I think that this is a a 17 episode show that could very easily have just been a 12 episode show. Uh, They do a couple weird episodes. Like there's an episode that's just all in the Old West. Like they've just changed the entire village to be an Old West setting for an episode. No explanation for it. It's my least favorite episode of the show. <laughs> like I'm like okay. I don't know why this isn't like
1: that in 2023.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like what? <laughs> yeah, but I I actually think my favorite episode is the final episode Fallout. Uh, that that like the last like 10 minutes of that episode I think about regularly. And I had had <laughs> that spoiled for me because in that TV special that I talked about, like it uh showed you kind of like it consolidated the entire show into like a 10 minute hey, here's what this show is about from front to back. Because at that point, there was no way to watch the show. In like, the 90s, they were just like, hey, this is this really cool show that happened for a year that like no one seems to really talk about, but here's what it was about. But even knowing that, like, it didn't change the impact of what it says in the finale for me. Like The symbolism of what it was trying to say always hits for me. No, like I think I've watched the show in its entirety maybe six times. And that's always like getting to there is a big one. Checkmate, obviously the chess episode. That's a that's a big one for me. Um, but yeah, it's it definitely plays a lot with like diving around into all these different ideas, questioning what is real and what is fake, who can you trust, who can't you trust, like why are they here? All of those things are constantly in there, but I think that the the opening episode and the closing episode are like the perfect bookends to the show, and then it is like peaks and valleys in between. But there's never, except for maybe the western episode, there's never an episode where I'm fully like, "What are we even fucking doing here?" Like I'm usually like, "Oh, this is great." Uh, And follow up for you,
0: just based off what you were just saying there, are there any like episodes, like even that the Wild West one, like if you skip that, like are you is every episode giving you main plot content or are there one-offs and filler, quote-unquote, episodes like the Wild West, or even in that episode that you don't like, is there something there that's important to know for just if you want to
3: binge the whole series? Um Kathleen, what was that sh- that podcast you told me about where they just watched the first and last episode of a TV show?
2: Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It, that was like a Rolling Stone podcast. Yeah. It was like
3: Too Long Couldn't Watch or something like that? Too
2: Long, or yeah, t- Didn't Watch or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, forget too Long what it Didn't was. Watch. But it was celebrities that came on and did it with a guy from Rolling Stone. They watched the first and last of, like, super popular. um, Like, I I listened to one where. um, (laughs) uh, It was only, like, six episodes that they did. Yeah, John Hamm watched the first and last episode of Gossip Girl. And was like, (laughs) Like, you know, or like, someone did Game of Thrones. Yeah, Yeah. it was good.
3: But, Mm -hmm. But the reason I'm asking is because I actually do think. You might need the second episode is two parts technically. So like I would be interested if you were to just watch episode one and then just watch episode 16 and 17, how cohesive it would be, because it is a lot more of like. Like they do a lot of cool things with story and plot, but I really think at the end of the day, it was also him really getting to flex his bone on like doing like Sorry. Yeah. I said, I meant to say muscle. I don't know where fucking bone came from. Uh, He got to flex. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He got to flex his muscle on like doing these really elaborate sets and cool coloring and like cool camera shots and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's all about the journey, man. Yeah. I think the middle parts are way more about like giving you a visual style to make you feel that, alienation and like concern and fear. But I think if you literally jump to the last two episodes from here if you just like I don't know if I want to watch the whole show but I want some form of closure to see how this ended and why people were so angry I don't think you'd be like who is that what's going on like you just have to know that like number two changes a bunch Um, but I mean you do get to meet number one at the end of the episode for what it's worth like that's the that's the one of the parts of the final episode so you get a there is a mystery up until the final episode of Who is Number One, and that does get answered. Okay. What happens you with the rover? Have... <laughs> Rover's just roving, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's roving. He's
1: freaking uh, roving.
3: Now, nah, that, that was. Are that they thing? allowed to have pointy objects in the village? Uh, well, here's the thing about the rover he can subdivide.
2: Ooh. <laughs> I like that.
3: The pointy objects I do don't like mean that. shit. He's I like, he's that like when lot. you cut a tail off a, a lizard, you're just going to grow okay. another lizard. okay i like that that's awesome
2: (laughs) all right let's get any final questions out if you have any before we ask the question
0: i have one question all right Um, luke i just wanted to know uh matt if someone were to ask you who your favorite character is is it just an easy number six and then there's a gap is there (laughs) okay is there a close second or is it not even i mean They don't allow
3: you to even get too attached to any other characters besides, like I said, this is, at at the end of the day, it's the cat and mouse game between number six and various number twos. Okay. (laughs) It
1: It is a lot more interesting to know that straight up the premise is, like you said, cat and mouse mind games on one guy and Luke, you know, we did meet a girl that you tell us, Matt, is number nine.
3: I think I'm know, pretty sure it's number nine. I could be wrong. Yeah, on that,
1: and, but. and we know that, you know, the one guy that he thought he, he liked and was his boy, you know, dies and actually didn't die. But it, it really does seem like every single character and every single piece of this village is a pawn that they're just moving around constantly. And each episode is probably going to be like, you know, for lack of a better term, like Monster of the Week, where it's just like yeah. you do an episode. Here's the mind game. He doesn't get out. And now we got the next episode. And then while this is happening, like Matt said, you're just like, Jesus, let's get our boy out of this. And then all this, this, this journey happens for 16 episodes. And then we get to our finale, whatever that is. And then you're like, okay, you know, all right, we got there and or We didn't get there. And so whatever cause we
3: don't let me, let me do this real quick because the Wikipedia uh, plot descriptions on the main episodes page is just one sentence pitches for each episode. So I feel like if I give you the next four episodes in the one sentence that Wikipedia describes it in, it'll give you an idea of what to expect in future episodes. So the next episode, the description is a new prisoner. Nadia may have information about the village that makes an escape escape attempt more possible. Episode three. A desperate number two manipulates the dreams of number six to discover where his loyalties truly lie. Wow, and episode number four presented with the opportunity of the upcoming election. Number six runs to get the post of number two. So, <laughs> so like, it's I mean, that's interesting to me, <laughs> yeah. And but and you're telling me, so see,
1: that's a shame because, well, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, we don't know, but. Hearing that there's another prisoner is very interesting to me, like another prisoner at the same time that they might be helping each other. I know you said that, you know, not a lot of the characters are going to be memorable except our boy, but it is still that hearing that description is very interesting.
2: Yeah, Yeah. but Cobb was a prisoner. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's the other thing you always have to factor in. (laughs) And since this is
2: not a visual medium, I was doing air quotes during that.
3: But you have to think (laughs) about, like, even from an intelligence level, like how many times can they possibly pull that ruse before number six begins to catch on and uses that as a manipulation back on his chess move? You know what I mean? Where he's like, how many, you know, this is the third time a new prisoner has showed up who says that they're going to help me. Like, obviously I don't trust them and I'm going to pretend that I trust them to get back at the other, like the person who's playing that card on, you know, like it's always that kind of like escalating, uh, you know, House of Cards essentially for them. My last question, Matt, is: is do we ever find
1: out where Number Two's chair goes from when he no. comes up? And because actually, I, I guess just you know, do.
3: I think you kind of do in the final episode. Now they think about it because it
1: cracks me up. It cracks me up <laughs> that the one time where he's pissed to go talk to Number Two, immediately Number Two just, just pops up. It's like, is he waiting down there
3: for something? <laughs> like, what's going
1: on here? <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> Is he chilling yeah. in his living room, and then all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> number six comes in, and his his, his seat just pops that's, up? He's like, oh, that's shit. why there's always a different number two. They work in shifts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's
2: yeah. good. I <laughs> was actually going to ask if they summoned. sleep. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: um, I don't have a problem going first if we want to do it that way. I will just um, say
2: my parting shot before we do it is that it's funny that Matt brought up the magicians because... My one of my notes said that this episode was giving like all that Josh a little bit, where like everyone's like happy and it's like a utopian dystopia where it's like everyone's partying, everyone's rocking, and then it's like soon as someone yeah. fucks up, they just like stop and they're like, "We're gonna kill you if you if <laughs> yeah. you don't play <laughs> along <episode>. with this." <laughs> <laughs> Great episode. Um, but anyway, James here first.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of things that are very interesting to me when it comes to this show. Okay, finding out if we f- if we learn more about how they set this village up, like Matt, I know you said that they turned into a Western setting and we don't really find that out, but it is interesting to think about at certain times throughout these 17 episodes, he has this map that is, you know, only for the village, but I'm assuming we are going to get to a lot of these parts of the village and we get to explore them, which is cool to me and to see how they're set up to be mind games. I like that a lot. I really want to know the answer to, are these people pawns that are there just working? Are these people pawns that are there being controlled? Are these yeah. people also under duress pretty much? And they're faking almost like Kathleen, what you're saying with the magicians where they're just totally like in a trance and they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing. Obviously the Rove homies, the man I, I-, I love, <laughs> uh, I love seeing that, <laughs> He's guy. that dude. He's that bro. <laughs> um. So my official answer is going to be added to the list. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not saying no, but here's here's my unofficial answer. And this is I honestly think this episode talked me into the fact that it, I want it on my list. But what I would like, actually, I feel like when it comes to this kind of show, I would like a documentary on this show. Mm. Yeah, I would rather I would almost rather watch a documentary on the show, get spoiled on what
3: happens and then sure. decide what parts I want to rewatch. Just I can because... show you that. Te- I'll send you that 10 minute link, my dude. <laughs> Someone <laughs> yeah, uploaded I mean, that Fox special on YouTube recently
1: <laughs> because a, lo- a lot of that just does seem like one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of similar to Luke where it- it's tough. Like when it's yeah. a sixties way of, of showing me an episode, it's tough. I, I, I really respect everything that it did. I respect seeing in my head, like, damn, there's some lost, or there's some Westworld or there's some of this, there's some of that. I respect all that. And I do like it, but it is like, 17 hours of this I yeah. mean it, coming I from like the quality of of you know what you see just from the 60s and and but I think it I think I do kind of want it on the list because yeah. of certain things that you're saying now I I want it to be one of those things where it's like I'm not gonna maybe it'll convince me to binge but I have an episode when I got some time maybe I'll see what's going on with the next one yeah see what's going on with the next one but again right now in my head I just want to know the freaking end like yeah, it's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's something good though. That's something yeah. good that you're, you're seeing this pilot and I'm, and then we're talk, talking about it and I'm like, I want to know what the deal is. I want to know what's going yeah. on with this whole thing. And I want to know freaking now doesn't mean I want to watch 17 episodes in a row, but I want to <laughs> know now, you know, so it's not binge immediately yeah. and it's not added to the top of my list. And, but it, if a documentary existed, 10 minutes is good. But if it was like an hour and it tells me the gist of the sh- Show, and it shows me how it was made and it talks about loss and all that kind of stuff I'd be like sit back get the popcorn I'm good
3: yeah mm-hmm. I, I want to before the other two go I do want to clarify uh, because I know that I've been pitching this for probably two and a half years it's been a hot <laughs> minute that I've been yeah. like you should, you should do the prisoner and uh, it's been for I in my heart of hearts I was like I don't know if any of them are going to actually watch more of the prisoner but for what binge town is and what it represents like I feel like it's like this is the show that made all of the shows that Binge Town is built on even a, yeah. a possibility. So it just felt right. like I mean, Kathleen said this is a classic Matt Kelly pick because yeah, Matt Kelly is all about the like, let's sit down and have an educational conversation about the yeah. history of something. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, yeah. he is. I can I can go next because I, I was going to flow off that. So my friend Matt Kelly uh we used to have a podcast it revives every once in a while we did about 100 episodes or so i don't know how many we did but um like
3: 96 we really should record four more yeah, and we end really fucking full should <laughs> uh
2: but oh, it was yeah. a blast and and um a lot of times we had guests but often me julia and matt would just pick an, a show and every time matt picked a show me and Julie would be like here we go <laughs> <laughs> and every time I understand why he picks it. I get it. And like he said, you know, um, an educational thing. Matt has a a horror movie podcast where, I mean, they, they do every single movie you could ever think of horror movie. And from the worst to the best, but like it they all mean something to the genre, right? And and if you go to Matt Kelly's house, I'll we'll have sorry if I keep saying your last name.
3: That's all right. <laughs> okay. It's a pretty public name. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> VHS tapes across the wall, like it's it's really it's part of your personality, it's part of who you are. So I totally understand it. Um I am going to watch sixteen and seventeen. Okay. I uh, and I'm as soon as we hang up, it'll be. I'll put it on before bed, and and I'm sure it'll lull me to a good sleep and maybe some fun dreams. But I, I can't, I don't know that I'll be able to do the middle episodes, yeah. but I definitely will watch 16 and 17. So this is not a, uh, and for that reason, I'm, I'm out. out. It's not an added to the list. It's not, but it's kind of a binge immediately, like only two episodes though. Yeah, so it's, I, in <laughs> it's in the middle. It's
3: in the middle. You said all anyway, three in a weird way,
2: but in general, yeah. in general, like Luke said earlier, you know, talking about this show made it better for me. Um yeah. Just hearing you, you gush about it and talk through why you love it. And then Luke's questions and Jimmy's questions in our conversation. It made me want to watch it more. So 16 and 17 will be watched and you will get text messages about it.
3: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't
0: wait. I'll stay awake. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I'm going to jump off the back of both of you guys. Like, I'm taking some of both your arguments here where, Jimmy, you were pointing out some of my favorite things that we talked about in this podcast, like the loss comparisons. Uh, I liked, I mean, it blew my mind when we talked about which government has control of the island. (laughs) I didn't even think about that. I really, really enjoy that mystery. And then the Mr. One mystery versus Mr. Six, or I'm calling him Mr. Six, number six. (laughs) Sorry. One versus six. Two versus
1: six, you mean. Oh, you mean yeah. one total? Like the yeah, who is band. number one? Yeah, like yeah, the ending,
0: yeah. ending, like all of that is super, you know, like intriguing to me, and I love the chess symbolism, symbolism as well. But as you could tell by the tone of my voice, I'll take the Shark Tank. I'm out. <laughs> but I will definitely listen to Kathleen's um, recommendation after she does go through the final two episodes and let me know what you think there. But yeah, like we do these pitch towns a lot of the time. We want to do it just for like our friends, get them on the podcast, let them gush about whatever they're passionate about. But honestly, a a huge part of doing this is that so our audience gets to hear it. So even if we're out like as podcasters, I'm sure someone listening to this is now going to pick this up and be like, all right, Matt Kelly. I'm using the last name too. He convinced me right away to watch this show. So I'm really excited to get some feedback on what people think. Because if anybody out there does go that's a that's a binge town audience member and they know us pretty well, listen to a lot of our shows and they continue through it and think that they would benefit from some sort of, you know, not I won't say coverage, but like, you know, us talking about it more, even if it was like in town halls. Um, that would be really cool for us because, like, like you're saying, like, there's a lot of good here. I'm just such a victim of the times and I hate it. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Trust me. So, I, I wish I could get over it, but this was really what I needed to sit down and watch this. And I do not regret it. It was a fun, goofy first episode, good vibes all around. And um, yeah, I'm happy that you could come on and, and share it with us, Matt. Yeah. Let me throw this out there. I'm just,
3: I'm just, here's my own little pitch town. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> my little pitch town. I've, I've said this to at least Kathleen and Jim. But like, let's talk about what's happening right now. It's looking like we're going to be in a really long creative strike in Hollywood, which, you know, like you guys are pretty much good for 2023. But 2024 is going to be a giant question mark on what is even coming out. You guys talk about if Kathleen walks away from those two episodes and goes, hey, it's pretty good. Like this could be a fun show if you're just trying to find an old show Mm -hmm. to do something with. Because it is full of that mystery of like keeping keeping a weekly track of one episode a week just to be like I don't know I don't know where this mystery is going but uh, I I look forward to whatever you guys decide to do I would love to listen to y'all break down like Twin Peaks I'd love to go back and listen to if there's someone on the show who hasn't seen Lost doing a Rooks and Vets Uh, with some of that I just I wanted to publicly pitch that like I love what you guys do and I'd love. You guys to even d- dip your toes into like completed series for the sake mm-hmm. of like, hey, let's just revisit a show that's baller. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> that we, yeah. <laughs> we we just haven't honestly, we just haven't had the time. But we did the away that way, we did Winona that yeah. way, I, and we like doing that. Um, but it, to God. The last six months of shows was insane. it's that's mm. what I'm
3: saying. HBO's don't do that <laughs> Just been like, bub, bub. <laughs> don't do that for July. I'm saying like yeah. by September yeah. of two, th- like January of two thousand and twenty four you might be looking at like an all reality TV schedule on television, <laughs> which is great by my standards. but still. yeah it is. <laughs> like, love Island we can do yeah. that. uh dude, I, my brother got me hooked onto Survivor now, man. i'm I'm all in wait
2: yeah, we're doing a survivor pod for forty five because I'm obsessed with it.
3: <laughs> um I'm excited to see you guys are no lie one of my absolute favorite podcasts of like the thousands of podcasts that I listen to and all of the shows on the Geekscape network like anytime I bump into anybody who's even like a little bit of a TV nerd I'm like you need to listen to the Town podcast it's great um it's such an honor to be on Pitchtown it means a lot to me I adore all of your your minds and your input and I just I I do hope that when we eventually do hit the lull that this writer strike is going to create and like hopefully it's only a couple months lull but we could be in this for the long haul it sounds like the actors guild and the directors guild are also planning to strike now in solidarity so that's going to just continue to push things back uh, I do I just want to I don't want there to be a void in my in my phone downloads on my sure. podcast <laughs> app. We won't oh. be taking any breaks. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. But
2: but let's uh give the people all your podcasts, Matt, because there's so many to list off.
3: Yes, let's hear them. Uh, let's see. So I'm just gonna work throughout the the week. <laughs> so <laughs> so on Mondays is Christmas 365, where my friend Dylan and I talk about something Christmassy every Monday. On Tuesdays is Alyssa Explains It All, hosted by Alyssa Lube from The Circle on Netflix. Uh, there's also Every Other Tuesday now, uh, Before My Time with Gelsey Laurie, a celebration of all things vintage We've actually done an episode about The Prisoner on there. Uh, on Wednesdays is One Hit Thunder, uh, where myself and Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah break down our favorite one-hit wonders with various musicians. Uh, we've had some... Pretty cool guests. Yeah. Probably our biggest get was uh Jared from Bowling for Soup, the lead singer of Bowling for Soup coming on to talk to us. Love it. Uh horror movie night is every Thursday night. And then Friday mornings is Weird Algorithm, where myself and Matt Milligan from the band Weedus uh are reviewing Love every that. single song Weird Al has ever released uh in order of release and ranking them. And then uh the newest show that I do is White People Problems an OC podcast, where yeah. myself and Joe Farron of the Freight School podcast uh are watching the OC. I've never seen it before, and it's Joe's favorite show. So uh after that, we might, spoiler alert, because we're already, we just finished season one, we're about to start season two. This time next year, we'll pretty much be done all of it. Uh, but we might be we might be stealing a binge town. Host, possibly, because we think the next white po- white people problem show we need to talk about is Pretty Little Liars, which, uh, <laughs> oh, Kathleen, dare <laughs> you! Which um, neither one first, of us have Matt. seen, so we need a guide <laughs> to Pretty Little Liars.
2: I will guide you. Um, <laughs> Matt, Shout you, had, out her, you to... had her
3: first, so you could take her back to if you need her.
2: <laughs> Shout out to we'll Matt, Matt Milligan. <laughs> who you do the Weird Algorithm podcast with? He's the only. That's the only Simpsons episode I've ever seen. Is when he came on my favorite episode and pitched the Simpsons. Pitched the <laughs> so Simpsons. I was like, okay, here we go. Which is a
3: wild, wild episode. Him and I are also similar to white people problems. Like we're we're at the halfway point on Weird Al's career now because, like, in the eighties, he put out an album every year, and we just finished the eighties. But the nineties, the two thousands, and beyond, he only released. 7 albums in that entire like 3 decade gap so it's like shit we're going to run out of stuff soon so i've i've pitched that our next show will be called green data and it'll just be us doing the same concept but green right, all the green day songs. <laughs> I like that. I'm actually amazing, yeah. <laughs> when you talk well, about white and nerdy just uh let me know. I'll call I'm you ready up for that one. I'll call you up. We've, actually that show I will give a quick plug because that show I'm gonna say this as sincere as I can. It gets good numbers. It gets number better numbers than I think most people who create podcasts are are able to get. But but man, for the for the cool ass guests that we've had on that show, like everyone, check out Weird Algorithm. We we I got to sit down and talk with fucking Paul Shear, like Dre from the League. Like that was amazing for me to to experience. So uh so yeah, check that out. We've got some pretty cool guests in the back in our back pocket too that we're we're working towards, but like, I got to talk to a comedy legend in my eyes. So like, and him talking about weird Al for an hour with us was like, so insightful. He, he actively told us that his show human giant, which was him and Aziz, Asari And Rob Hubel would not exist if not for the LTV MTV specials that weird Al used to do in the eighties. And I thought that that was like the coolest thing to have anyone say on our show is like, Oh, this, thing that jumpstart our career only exists because we loved this weird one hour a year yeah. show that he would put on mm-hmm. so it's amazing that's awesome well Matt well,
2: go check him out he is yeah he uh, so many I can't believe yeah. you do that many. More,
3: uh, on Instagram you can find me everywhere also yeah. and we're not we know gonna, podcasting we're not gonna let... you need editing <laughs> <laughs> Well, definitely, we know podcasting if
1: you need editing because we just took Matt away from his job for two seconds so <laughs> that he can come onto the pod with us. But he's working his ass off for you guys. So check out We Know Podcasting. But, Matt, seriously, we take three. We took three years to get you on Binge Town. That's a catastrophe. We'll get you on way quicker for the next one. Kathleen, if you watch 16 and 17, you know it's on my list. If you find that it's something we need to talk about. You might be able to convince Luke. We'll see, but you convince. I'm already. It's on my list. So if we need to bring Matt to talk about the finale, let's do it. Also, want to reiterate, this isn't the first time we've talked to Matt. Obviously, Kathleen has, but we did Harry Potter. We've done Screen with Matt on other Geekscape stuff. So We know how much Geekscape TV it on is. YouTube,
3: baby. <laughs>
2: yeah, we know how much of a blast
1: <laughs> it is talking with Matt, So We'll get him back. I can't believe it took this long to get him. But Kathleen hit with it, with that outro.
2: Okay, so th- this is some of the fun stuff we're going to be putting out uh, moving forward. There's not a ton of shows coming out. We just finished Succession, which had its own feed, but also posting on Bench Town. We just finished Yellow Jacket Season 2. We did some Barry coverage. We did Mandalorian. and in the past, we did White Lotus and House of the Dragon and The Last of Us and all of that. Moving forward. We we've got silo going on which is on apple tv which is one of my favorite shows i'm watching right now jimmy's killing it on that pod also moving forward we'll have the witcher me and jimmy just confirmed today that we are doing cruel summer season two um off of matt's suggestion he shot me a text this morning being like hey if there's a lull you should do this because me and matt loved it for season one we talked um a few episodes of of it on my favorite episode of So that's a cool mystery. That'll have its own feed. Um, So just hit subscribe on Bingetown TV and you'll never miss an episode. Um, But thanks for listening. And, you know, DM us on Instagram or Twitter at Bingetown TV. If you've seen The Prisoner, if you have any questions or anything for other Matt, Jimmy, Luke, myself, whatever you think. We are Bingetown TV. And thanks for listening.